Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is presented by mybookie.ag and that if you use the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, that you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. And given that you are a listener to this podcast, I would assume you're relatively knowledgeable about sports and I would trust you to try your edge on the online sports book. You can lay down some money and get in on the action at one of the safest online sports books in the world. It's the only one that I am currently using. You can wager on all sorts of different outcomes on mybookie.ag, soccer, football, any major league, esports. You can even create your own player props, which is useful for me because if you know anything about me, I do enjoy uh, a good player prop. So if you deposit using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, you get a you get a 50% de- bonus when you deposit and i will add this for listeners of the takecast if you deposit using the promo code matic and you send proof of it to me on twitter i will follow you on twitter and you can have access to me via dms whenever you want that's the that's the takecast bonus that i'm adding in association with the mybookie.ag deposit bonus now let's get back to the show Hello everyone and welcome to the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. This week I have a conversation with Nick Coleman, who is the offensive coordinator at NCAA Division I Murray State. That's right, a D1 offensive coordinator has agreed to take time out of their schedule to talk to us lowly football nerds here uh, you know, on the internet at the TakeCast think it's a very interesting and very good conversation. And you know what? It really reminds me that at the end of the day, the reason that we want to see teams pass more, run less, use their plays more efficiently, do things the right way is because we love football. And so do all of these coaches. You know, these guys that we get mad at and we yell out on Twitter, they love football just as much as we do. And I think it's really important to avoid, you know, the division between the two groups because we all want the same thing. We all want to see better football, more points on the board, uh, you know, really just to love and be involved with this game that we all enjoy. Of course, as always, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, have no idea how much it helps. It's, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a Patreon. We don't do anything like that. So really, the best thing that you could ever do for this show is leave a rating and review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. That would just be absolutely massive if you could do that. And uh, after this quick advertisement, we will get right into the interview. Daily Roto is a mostly proud sponsor of the TakeCast, a mostly sports podcast. TakeCast listeners can save 10% at Daily Roto with the promo code Janus, J-A-N-I-S. If you are playing on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto will help you improve your daily fantasy results this fall and save time in the process with lineup optimizers, ownership projections, fantasy projections, premium content, and much more. They have all the good stuff that you want to help you make money at sports betting and daily fantasy. Their new lineup optimizer will let you build optimal GPP teams with stacks based on their projections faster than I can punt money off betting on Peter Uline. 
Sure, you can play the guys that I recommend each week, but shouldn't you also get advice from a proven daily fantasy winner like Drew Dinkmeyer? Yes, I do have better hair than Drew, but I also have his cell phone number, and that makes me a winner almost as much as it makes him a winner of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. And it's not just fantasy. They have tools to bet on player props, golf matchups, and a customizable NFL game simulator for this fall. Head over to dailyrodeo.com slash premium and save 10% with promo code Janice today. All right. Hello, everyone. Love to welcome Nick Coleman, offensive coordinator at Murray State University to the show. Nick, how are you doing, man? Doing great, man. How are you doing? Appreciate I'm- you having me. Doing great. Uh, for those who don't know, one of my, my really my childhood best friend, Tate Omley, he is uh, the, uh, what is he, the defensive backs coach at Murray State? Yes, sir. He coaches safeties and special teams coordinator. Oh, Tater Chip does a good job for us, man. He's a good guy. So, uh, so Tate, I, I was just uh, texting with him, actually. I, I read a book called The Perfect Pass, uh, which was about Hal Mummy and, and Mike Leach, who you know were kind of the innovators and the originators of the air raid. And, and he told me that you guys actually run the air raid at, uh, at Murray State. Yes, sir. It's been... Uh... You know, it's been run here for, since, I believe, 2009 uh, with Coach Hatcher, who is now at Sanford University, got here. And our head coach was, was on his staff. And, uh, and long story short, kind of the Murray State history of it, Coach Hatcher was on the original Kentucky staff with uh, Coach Leach and Coach Mummy. Um, he came up. So he's kind of from the de- uh, direct correlation with it. And then he brought it here uh, to Murray State in 2009. And, it's stuck around here ever since then. It's been, you know, and uh, this is my first year here with Coach Stewart, and uh, just glad to be here and running it and back, back doing what I love doing with the air raid. So for those who don't know, can you explain sort of the basic concepts of what the air raid is and how it might be different from, you know, the run and shoot or the, the typical Big 12 spread offense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're talking about air raid teams, you're talking about he's an air raid guy or air raid coach. Um, I mean, basically, you're talking about, you know, nine to ten base concepts, maybe even less than that, that people focus on. And it's not really, uh, I mean, it, and everybody's got their own flavor to it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not the, it's not just every, everything's cookie cutter on every school you look at. I mean, you watch Oklahoma versus, you know, watching Washington State, it's two different two different styles of what they put on it. But the main concept that you got in it is you got your base concepts that you do and you do it over and over and over and until the kids can do it in their sleep and you just keep on doing it. And, uh, you know, it's great. It correlates over. It's been correlating in the NFL game now. Also, um, I believe now that some of the guys have figured out to be successful with so many college teams now that are running it. I think it's helping, helping the, with some of the maturation of the quarterbacks like Mahomes and, and Wentz and stuff like that now that everybody's kind of, you know, trickled it in in the NFL. But um, to sit there and say, you know, people use it in different different ways. They're di- more diverse. And the run game's kind of the big thing is what people sprinkle in and do different things. And the, the evolution of the RPOs has changed it all. Also, now people are using the air raid along with their RPOs and doing some different things. So, you know, it's kind of came about, but if you kind of broke it down and said what you know what you hang your hat on, it's it's about nine to ten pass concepts, and you just keep doing it over and over until you get it right. 
So that was the thing that stuck out the most to me when I've been looking at the history of the air raid is is some of those early years. What Mummy and Leech would do is they would really only have, if you included the run plays, they would have about yeah. fif- they would have about fifteen plays, and that goes against yep. what I think a lot of casual football fans think of offenses as running. They think of you know big thick playbooks and all sorts of um, you know really intricate blocking designs and and different route concepts but but what the air raid does is and correct me if i'm wrong it gives a lot of freedom to the wide receiver to get into the correct space depending on the play that's called yeah i mean you're just talking about you know when when you got those 10 to 15 plays and all the things the defense can do to try to stop them or whatever like you said you're just asking the receivers to and the quarterback to make you right you know, and, and giving you the correct deal, whether it's working off grass, whether it's working the best matchup in man coverage as a quarterback or whether, whatever you're trying to do. But the biggest thing with, well, like you said, doing that same stuff over and over in 10 to 15 play calls a game is you're able to run it uh, versus all their different looks. So you're not having to run 70 plays versus all the different looks they're going to give you. You're just running those 10 to 15. And then you kind of roll in, you know, a motion here, a dress up, different formation here, uh, a wider split here out of this, and then you kind of just keep going. So, um, you know, it allows you, allows you to be creative without being, without being complicated is the biggest thing. And it allows you, I think, also to make your game plan a little bit less dependent upon the opponent because you, you're kind of going to run your offense regardless of what the other team's, you know, it's kind of base defensive set is, right? Yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. If you – I mean, if you – kind of get going and, and talk about all these different styles of offense real similar to the, your your navy georgia tech triple option style you know you, you're running your place and you don't really you know based off what the defense does you may run certain plays for that defense but you're not creating a whole new offense every week that makes sense it's your right. it's your offense it's your place whatever the defense gives you that's what you attack you know it's not necessarily oh man we got to change everything just just because they do this style of defense no you just now figure out what what off uh, you know what plays you have in your office to attack that defense and the the big advantage for that at the college level kind of a lot like what you know army and georgia state do or or georgia tech rather is it you know it kind of lets you get by with an athletic disadvantage because your players are so good at executing your game plan and that game plan can be effective even against teams that have you know a big recruiting and physical advantage against you for sure i mean you kind of go into you know it it allows you to build your team and know exactly what you're doing does that make sense so as a from a recruiting standpoint or from a from a scheme standpoint, you know you want this type of receiver at this position, this type of receiver at this position, and then you just go you go recruit to it. <clears throat> you know you want quarterbacks with quick release that are smart. You know you want running backs that are able to catch the ball and do things in space. You know you need old linemen that are able to move and work tempo and do all stuff like that. So it allows you to, to narrow your recruiting of what you're trying to build your team. And like you said, it also allows you, anytime you can make a – Make an offense and, and have kids believe in it allows you to have an advantage over an opponent, no matter how good they are, because all it is is creating a belief in that system and creating, creating confidence in what you're doing. So, so at Murray State, can you just kind of explain where your guys' offense would fall on the spectrum of, you know, Army, they run the ball 50 times a game. Washington State, they don't even call running plays. The quarterback kind of has to, has to check to it out of their air raid concepts. Where, where is your guys' offense at on that spectrum? 
I mean, we're air raid pass concepts, and we'll run uh, run a lot of a lot of gap schemes in our run concepts. So we've we've tailored our run game uh, to you know to have some of that eleven personnel stuff and all that. But our base offense is ten personnel air raid, uh, wide open, tempo style. Um, you know, did a lot of studies over the off season on Oklahoma. Did a lot of studies on Washington State, and kind of married up a lot of stuff they were doing both of them to what we've kind of integrated a little bit. So it's been good. You know, we hit conference play this week, so I'm excited to see us excited to see us go out and compete in the OVC and and uh, and be able to uh, go out and watch our guys compete because we had an off week last week and had a lot of extra practice reps and stuff that we got to get in. So it was. It was good, but the biggest thing that we did was kind of integrate and having a different style of run game along with the air raid pass game. So do you have uh, maybe a kind of specific example of a concept that you guys are trying to integrate from a a bigger college offense that people might recognize if they happen to come across a Murray State game? Oh, yeah, we're going to run mesh. We're going to run the mesh, and that's the – that's the air raid staple. That's the 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 play. That's the the money play. That's the play. Oh, yeah, we're going to run mesh. We run mesh every day. We're gonna run it to, and you know, we're gonna run mesh and go, man. You know, we're, and that's uh, you know, that's leads to six play. But we're gonna run mesh and go. We're gonna uh, work different looks off of it, work different uh, tags off of it, and that's, you know, and you kind of go into to the week, and those are the two things you know you're running. You know, they, at no point in time can they take those two things away, a defense, because if they, uh, you know, quarterbacks always making you right. He can, he can, he can find somebody. You know, he can find somebody. So, but we're going to see the mesh play from us. You're always going to see verticals, four verts, or the go play. All right. And, and from then on, we're just basic quick game and sticking and, and spot and all that stuff that uh, the air raid's known for, you know, and getting the, getting the ball to the quarterback's hands and all that stuff. So, um, but the mesh play and the, and the vertical, vert, the four verts plays, the, the one you'll see from us the most. Well, you know, it's it's pretty interesting. Every time a college coach comes to the NFL and kind of has a radical idea, everyone kind of makes fun of them. You know, everyone everyone ragged on Chip Kelly. You know, everyone loved when, when Steve Spurrier and Nick Saban flamed out. But a lot of what I'm oh, yeah. seeing with these NFL pass offenses, you know, scoring is up eight points a game in the NFL right now. Teams are throwing and, and scoring more than ever. And I don't think people really are realizing how much of the air raid concepts are being ran by, you know, by the Rams, the Rams are eleven personnel every down, and and the Chiefs yep. are going empty personnel, you know, half the time, and they're they're just running a version of mesh or four verts on like thirty percent of their pass plays, and 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 for whatever reason, you know, people are are not discussing this like a, a college concept. Yeah, no, no, no. It tends, and NFL is a huge, huge mesh mesh league. If you kind of go and break down the NFL, everybody runs mesh, and they all got their own way of doing it, and. You know, and so, I mean, and everybody runs cross, everybody runs verts and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's more along the lines of, of how they're doing it, you know what I mean? And and the, like you said, the personnel they're running in, how they're how quickly they're running it, maybe with the tempo or not the tempo. Um, you know, whether they're, whether they're muddling at the line and huddling or whether they're, um, you know, going fast, you know. So, um, NFL has done a – done a really good job i thought the last few years of you know because everybody in college now is running the air raid and, and jared goff played in the air raid out of cal and and now you kind of you're tailoring your offense to allow them to be successful versus throwing them in an offense they won't be successful in so i think they've they've smartened up and realized that 
they got to find ways to win. And, and uh, them coaches have done a great job of tailoring, tailoring air raid quarterbacks now and making them successful in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually think that's a big difference in the NFL from now to maybe 10 years ago, is I think a lot of these head coaches and offensive coordinators, they actually are much more willing to change what their offense is going to be based on the skills of their quarterback. You know, I think I think 10 years ago, Mitch Trubisky would basically have just already failed out of the league by now because he would not have found a coordinator like Matt Nagy who was willing to just be like, all right, what are you capable of doing and how can I change it? Like, I, I think that that's a big difference in coaching at the very highest level right now. Are, are you sort of seeing that to be true? Yeah. I mean, as a coach, you got to be able to put your kid in the best, best chance to be successful. And, uh, you know, and it's the same same way once you get to the NFL. And I think the NFL, um, you know, those coaches are, are, you know, some of the best in the world, but they understand that the college game has changed and you're getting a different type of player. You know, and our rules allow us to, you know, you get 20 hours a week with the kids. And, and so coaching-wise, you're not with them. You know, NCAA-wise, you can't spend more than 20 hours a week with them. So you're now – they're getting a different product than they did 10 years ago. Does that make sense? So they're getting – a you know, because a college coordinator, a college coach, you you got to work those twenty hours in quick. You know what I mean, and get right. get your coaching in and get get everything done. So um, it's a little bit different product that they're getting. I think that's why everybody's went to the air raid or you know some form of tempo and stuff like that because it's easy to teach, it's easy to practice. You can get practice done in shorter amounts of time. And and NFL is now getting the product of it. They figured out well, I got to figure out a way how to coach these guys. Because yeah. they're still talented. I mean, Jared Goff's a great talent, you know, but he played in the air raid out of Cal, you know, and, and McVay is unreal. He's done a great job of, of putting him in a uh, uh, chance to be successful, you know, and it helps when you got old Gurley back there you hand it to, but he's done a great job of, of setting that offense up. They're, they're fun to watch. Yeah. So it's kind of on a more on a more specific level, you know. I I quit playing football when I was twelve, right? It just and I, so I I am I'm an outsider mostly to the to the game of football and kind of the the heart and the passion of what a lot of these coaches and players do. So when I look at a problem of how a team calls plays, there there are some things that I'm going to miss, and one of the things that I have never understood looking from the outside in is the the second and 10 running play so on first down you call you call a pass play and it's incomplete and and it's proven year after year that coaches call a run play in that position you know 70 percent of the time so so as as a coach inside the mind of a coach break me through that decision making process to run the ball in that second and 10 as uh and this is interesting because i'm an air raid guy I've always been there. Well, last year at the previous school I, I coached at, we were straight NFL offense. We were, I mean, exactly could walk in, could call an offense at, at an NFL team, you know, basically the, the cookie-cutter NFL pro offense. You know what I mean? So yeah. as you game plan that offense, you're talking NFL stats, right, more than anything? Right, yeah, yeah, more NFL uh, stats. Yeah, as you're game planning the NFL offense, this blew my mind because as an air raid guy, you kind of just call your best place. You know, you're going to always call your best plays in situations to where you need one. You know what I mean? You're not going to go, uh, what, what is my, you know, what does my stat sheet say or what does this say? You're going to call your best plays. You get the ball the best player. But as the NFL coach uh, and how they kind of break down their, their play calls and how we did it last year at the, at the school I was at was, you know, you kind of break down second alone. They call it getting off schedule. So 
if you're on schedule, you're second, second and six or closer. Um, if you're off schedule, you're second and seven or more. So uh, when you're off schedule, two things. You're expecting the defense to, to play soft coverage. All right. So now you're expecting that, and you're also expecting as an offense, you're trying to get trying to get yourself back in third and manageable. So our play calls in the time, you know, were always RPO, or it was some type of some type of uh, you know uh, seven man quick uh, protection type deal that we can get the ball out and push it down the field and have a cover two beater because we. Would, you know, you would break down the teams, and of course, defenses now would play soft on second and ten because they didn't want to. They didn't want to give up the first down. They want to keep you on, get you in third down. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So as you broke that down, you now became, you know, more likely to run the football, run an RPO, you know, versus a light box, or you would you know, try to get a too high beater and try to get the you know, convert on the first down, second and ten. So that was kind of the two things you did, and. Uh, that's how that's how we did it every week. That's how we went into the the game plan. You know, if you, I'd like to see what what you know if you broke down true air raid guys what they did. I'm imagine you're just going to go to your bread and butter pass game, but um, you know, but the NFL with the NFL, you know, mindset and stuff like that, uh, the huddle mindset and the you know the the play call mindset with the with the that's that's kind of where where we were when we did last year and it was real interesting to do. I've never done that before, been in that style of offense. Right, yeah. So it was real interesting le- learning experience for me, but that's just how they think. You know, that's just how you think in that offense is hey, I'm either gonna run it here and get half back or I'm gonna get the first down when they're with some type of cover two beater or soft beater type deal. Hey guys, I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my friends over at PowerHourDFS.com. They have an entire suite of daily fantasy sports tools to help you set your lineups this season. You know, they have all the tools that you've come to expect from a a tout site. They have a lineup optimizer with floor, median, and ceiling projections. They also have some unique tools that help quantify injuries to an offensive line or provide advanced metrics and route data around a wide receiver versus a specific cornerback matchup. They have uh, college football daily fantasy information, uh, which not every DFS site does have. You can get their entire suite of tools along with a game-by-game analysis for every slate showdown-specific content, a cheat sheet with cash and GPP rankings, matchup data, betting content from yours truly, and much more every week from PowerHourDFS.com. And if you use the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, at checkout, you can save $20 off of your subscription. I mean, and that's the way, that's I, that's the kind of football I love to watch. Like, I, like, I'm a big fan of what the Chiefs and the Rams and the Eagles are doing because it's, it's efficient football, and it's football that's designed to score points. And, and what really, I mean, it, yeah. it makes me lose my mind. Like, the, the Patriots game plan Sunday night against the Lions, they were down 13 points in the second half, and there were, on, on second and long in the second half, they called 12 pass plays, and nine rushing plays, and it's as as a fan of of the game and of wanting to see something exciting. That's that's so frustrating to watch. And and you're right, you really do not see that at the college level near as often. For for whatever reason, college coaches are much more willing to uh, to take risks. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's and and I've coached with some guys that've been at the NFL level, and they've got like all them stats you just gave to me, like. He said they had a guy that would just lay it on them, lay it on them, lay it on them, lay it on them, you know, the NFL analytics guys. 
and he said that you know he was a he was a QC for a team, and that guy would just come in and give you everything you ever needed, part percentage wise and all that stuff. So, I, from what I understand, when you're in that room with the NFL coach, and from what you know, you're getting those numbers given to you, you know, from an outsource type deal or an analytics person that you know, that's, you know, real similar, like you said, that looks in the total numbers of the deal, not yeah. the not the players, not the, but looks in the total numbers of everything that you do and gives them those reports, you know, so, you know, they're playing the odds, you know, on the second along, you're just playing the odds and trying to get, trying to get yourself in a situation to be the third and manageable we'll pick up the first down. Yeah. And, and that's actually, you, you raise a, a really good point. I think it's, I think it's a pretty common deal right now with a lot of NFL teams that they do have analytics guys who are not football players. You know, they were hired by the team to do data oh, yeah. science. Yeah. And I, I actually yeah. think a big problem is communication between the coaching department and that analytics department. So so as a coach yourself, how would you like to be spoken to or communicated with from the analytics department, from maybe someone who does not have the experience with football or with coaching? Yeah. A biggest thing, you know, you're – you know, like we did, we got our, had an off week, you know, so you, as a coach, you do your self-scout, you know, you scout yourself, what you're good at, what your tendencies on certain downs, what you, you know, as a coach, it's kind of what you do. And, and, you know, I know coaches that have their own file on, the, on themselves, you know what I mean? To where, Hey, I've got this tendency in my coaching career, you know, my self-scout and my tendency. So, um, you know, the biggest thing is a as an offensive coach, I would like to know what I do. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like what's my tendency from a defensive coach's mind, uh, you know, from a defensive coach's side of the ball, what's what's my tendency? How would you break it down? What do I like to call on this down and distance? What we like to do on in this situation? So that's the biggest thing is to me is the analytics is kept keeping us in check as an offense. You know what I mean? Of knowing what we what we you know, what we do on certain situations to put in, put maybe try to mix it up every now and then, um, just to throw them off a little bit, but. The good thing about what we do is, is we're sporadic. Um, we'll do stuff on different down and distances on fourth downs. We'll go for it a lot on fourth down. Um, you know, so we like to keep it light and keep it uh, keep it fun. So, you know, if we, we throw a bomb on third and one, we throw a bomb on third and one. You know, it's not a big deal to us. We'll go for it on fourth and one and, and keep on playing ball. You know what I mean? I mean, gotta love, gotta love going for it for fourth down. That's like uh, on, on Monday night, the – Buccaneers were down three points to the Steelers. Yeah, they had the ball in their great own. Game. It was a great game, but and it could have been a greater game. But on fourth and ten from I think their own twenty-five, with uh, two minutes and thirty seconds left, the the Buccaneers and Dirk Cutter chose to punt it, which is basically saying, you know, yeah. w- one first down and this game is over. And and everyone, you know, yeah. I, the 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 aggressive, you know, football fan of me, I'm saying, I, I don't know how you punted there. So from, from your perspective, you know, you're down three, basically your defense has to make a stop or the game is over. What's, what's the, before yeah. the call gets made, what's the coach's thought process there? You know, and, and this is interesting because, you know, there's a bunch of games this weekend too in college where this happened, but as a coach, you got like a chart, you know, you have like a chart that, uh, you know, somebody's got in the box and our head coaches. Is talking to you know one of our assistant coaches in the in the press box, and he tells you, "Hey, coach, you know you got one timeout left. They can run off this much time. You know what I mean? Or if they get one, you know they would tell you in that situation, hey, coach, if they get one first down, game's over because you got one timeout. Or hey, three timeouts left, coach. Um, you know you're trying to stop them on 
on when they've got the ball and you, hey, coach, you got three timeouts. Once if you stop them and and three downs, and they punt on fourth down, you'll have this many seconds on the snap. So we keep a chart, a running chart on those uh, those times and that stuff like that, Time, how many timeouts left first, how much time's left in the game, because, you know, when the, the motions of the game get rolling, you know, and you're on that sideline, and, it's, you know, it's it's fourth down, and it's and everybody's getting a little tight, you know, you got to have that in front of you because there's no point, you know, no, and no way would you just look at the clock and say, uh, and I got this many seconds left after, after this third down, and, so we keep a chart that kind of keeps us in line, and we have a coach in charge of it to uh, to be in the head coach's ear and remind him of things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I think that actually is a, a good point. You know, very rarely is a decision like that coming down to just one guy, and I think. Um, yeah. I think, and I think fans do kind of get that wrong. They sort of thinking of the coaching staff as as you know all underneath the head coach and and a lot of the times i think the decisions are more a collaboration do you do you think that's true i just i think it just depends where what coach or where it's sure. from you know some coaches you know it depends how much help you got you know obviously it depends what level you're at you know if you've got you know 82 off the field coaches helping you you know that always helps you just put somebody in charge of that of that helping you with time management or whatever but um, you know, it's it just depends where you're at. You know, depends the coach. Depends on, you know, you may have a defensive coach who's a who's the who may be the uh, defensive play caller on on defense, and offensive coach may have to handle the offensive time management. Defensive coach may handle defense. You know, it just depends where you're at. You know, it just depends where you're at. But uh, we try to make sure we have somebody in charge of it, and uh, because that, I mean, when it comes down to fourth quarter or whatever, you know, before half. You're trying to figure out a game, a game-winning drive or a scoring drive, and it's and you're worried about playing. Yeah, you need somebody in charge to worry about that clock. Yeah, and so you know a lot of a lot of this stuff comes down to attitudes and uh, something that I consistently came across when researching. You know, I, I've kind of just been researching this stuff for maybe the last year or so. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to the 1910s when they first started using the forward pass, coaches coaches used to say stuff like two things can happen when you throw the ball and two of them are bad. And then, you know, a lot yeah. of these coaches who ran the wishbone in the 50s, 60s, and 70s kind of thought that passing was, was cheating or it cheapened the game of football because it was supposed to be about, you know, the teams in, in the trenches. Do you, do you still come yeah. across that attitude, you know, on your recruiting trips with high school coaches or, or do you play against teams who, who think of the air raid as, as cheating the game and you guys should run the ball more? Uh, you know, it's not as bad. No, I don't. It's kind of changed just like anything in society. It's all everybody's a little more open-minded about it. And, uh, right. and everybody, like you said, even the NFL has incorporated something, you know, and, and whether or not it's uh, – you know, direct correlation to the air raid or not, everybody's doing something, you know, because if you look at the top offenses at any level in the country, um, you know, whether it be Division One, I, Division Two, One AA, SCS, NAI, whatever level you're looking at in college football, you know, I would, I would, I would say, you know, 70, 70, 75 percent of the top 10 offenses are some, some form, of, uh, some form of air raid, you know, so, you know, stats don't lie on that part. So, but the biggest thing is just, um, you know, it sells itself when on the recruiting trail. You know, because kids, everybody wants to catch footballs, everybody wants to score, uh, 
score points. Yeah, everyone everyone so. wants to score points, and that's like that's such an interesting thing to me because you know I I get uh, I get some blowback on on social media and stuff when I would criticize a coach for running too often or they're not spreading it out enough yeah. and. And it's crazy to me because passing is gonna you're gonna get more yards, you're gonna get more points. And so I personally, as a as just an enjoyer of the game, I've never understood the blowback for wanting teams to be more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's all about what the defense is giving you to. You know, you have we'll have games where you rush for a lot of yards, you have games where you throw for a lot of yards and it's all about just just being efficient. You know, that's the thing about it is being efficient. That's all that's what we're always looking to do. And our offense is try to be as efficient as we can. Don't waste plays. Don't do things that don't make sense. And try to put the kids in a situation to be successful. And if that's an 80-yard pass play, it's an 80-yard pass play. If that's a four-yard run at the time, hey, we'll take those four yards and be happy. But um, always doing the, what's you know the best best to put them kids in situations to be successful. Yeah, and I you know that is I I find that attitude very refreshing <laughs> because that's that's what. Uh, you know, analysts would say from the outside is is you would want to ask players to do things that they're already good at. You don't want to you don't want to try and put a square peg in a round hole. Like I'm sure you have some kids who are you know great outside wide receivers who would be lost playing in the slot or or the other way around. You know, and and a big part of coaching now is identifying how you can make kids with a limited skill set excel in what you ask them to do. Yeah, it's all about finding the right fit and putting kids where they can be successful. Because you, you know, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to do this and that and that. But you also got to do right by the kid and make sure they're in a situation to be successful. We moved a, a receiver to running back this this fall that you know was one of our better receivers, but he's also one of our most dynamic guys with the putting his uh, when he puts the ball in his hand. So we just put him at running back to give him the ball a little more and, and get him out in space, get him different matchups. So. Um, you're just always looking as a coach, looking to find ways to to put kids in situations to be successful and and gain confidence in what they're doing, you know, and and have confidence in what they're doing, and if whether it be a certain skill set or a certain, um, you know, mechanic they do well, just just keep harping on that and try to fix the stuff they don't do well, and and when they get good at that, then integrate that in their game. That's actually a, that's another question I have, and and something um, I had uh, Dan Orlovsky, uh, former Detroit Lions quarterback. Uh, on the podcast and works for ESPN now and something that I that I talked about and mentioned with him was the idea of having guys who can play both running back and wide receiver and you know if you're if you're running the hurry up and you're trying to limit substitutions you know kind of how much value would you be able to add from guys who can say you have three guys who are in that hybrid role and you can kind of just switch them around and move them around pre-snap do you think trying to find that type of player and get them all in the field together would be a big advantage for coaches, whether it be college or pro. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know, as, as, as many kids that have different skill sets to do different things, you know, um, you know, our running backs are basically receivers that run between the tackles also. So, you know, the, the number one thing we look at running back is, is when we're, we're you know trying to evaluate kids, this is, are they, can they make anybody miss? Are they dynamic with the football? And last but definitely not least, can they catch? Because if they can't catch, it's, it's not going to go well in the area. Because we're uh, the running backs usually will usually lead your team in touches. You know, in the, and then it's kind of a misconception when you think about area. But usually, 
running backs, the running back position will lead your team in touches based off run plays and pass plays. So it's not not, not a big difference. It's just it's just they're getting in different ways. You know what I mean? So having those guys that can do multiple things, they can play in space, they can catch, they can run between the tackles are very valuable in this offense and any offense, really. But you're right. I mean, you'd be able to take those guys and move them around playing, playing different personnel, but having different same guys on the field is, is obviously the thing you want. Yeah, I think that actually is a big misconception about the air raid is the idea that running backs aren't valuable or that uh, you you don't run. You know, those How Mummy teams, they had guys who led their conference in rushing several times. Uh, not, oh, yeah. not so much at Kentucky, but at, oh, at Iowa Wesleyan and at Valdosta State, they had great running backs. Yeah, he had two, he had, he had two good ones at Kentucky now. They lined up in two back a lot still ran the air raid he had two good ones when he was there but yeah you gotta still you gotta be able to run the ball and i think that's why you know people in this system still they have their own flair in the run game you know your pass game is 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 very dissimilar to most most people who run this style offense but your run game is usually going to be different because everybody's got their own flair with it everybody's got their own own uh way of of getting the ball to the running backs or getting the ball to quarterback runs or whatever it is there's different ways to do it, and it's always fun to break down how people are doing that and getting people the ball in different different ways. Yeah, it is, and that's you know that's uh, that's what we like to see as fans. You know, I I I I've, I found this conversation to be really refreshing. I love talking to people who love football and want to see it get better and want to see it advance. You know, it's not nearly as fun to talk about football with people who want to see you know the return of the wishbone or the wing tee. Oh yeah. yeah, but still you'll 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 line up, you know, you'll you'll line up in some three back sets and and do some things just to just to just to you know mess mess with the defenses or give yourself extra extra blockers or whatever. I mean, the three back set. You know, when I got got into being a coordinator was huge, and and we used to run it quite a bit. And now people are using more tight ends. You look at Oklahoma last year; I mean, they used their tight ends unreal, you know, in their air raid style offense. So. Um, you know, everybody's got their own flair with it, but you know, everybody's got their own way of getting downhill and running the football, or or getting getting extra hats in the game too. All right, well, coach, you have to get back to the recruiting trail soon. Uh, get, why don't you leave us with uh, with one concept or one play from the air raid to look for uh, in the NFL games? Just give give the listeners something to look for that they could see uh, at uh, at Murray State too. Oh uh, yeah, you know you're gonna see the mesh play and and our, the basic mesh play and that you see is the is the is your is your tight end or your Y your slot receiver is the main part of the mesh is the the Y and the X your your single receiver are gonna gonna run crossing routes about six to five yards and they're gonna mesh with each other that's where the mesh name comes from okay and they're gonna mesh with each other and get through get through a little rub style concept and then. If it's zoned, they're going to settle up in some holes. If it's man, they're going to keep it running. Okay, and then your outside receiver, your your Z or your main, your the play side receiver is going to, you know, have a couple options that he could run, whether it be a corner route, whether it be a post route, whether it be some people like to curl him, some people like to run when the NFL like to let the call cop route. But um, and then your back's going to be in the flats right now as quick as he can get it, and then the backside receiver, whether it be trips or two by two, usually. Uh, run something over the middle of the ball. So whether it be a dig, whether it be a 12-yard a TP route where he's he's curling up over the middle of the ball, and uh, the quarterback kind of reads it out. He'll take the Z if he's got it to the back and then come back to the meshes, and you got the guy over the ball sitting at 12 right behind the meshes. So 
um, quarterback can take it. And Matt Ryan's big on it, uh, big on it down at Tampa Bay, you know, with the meshes and stuff. So uh, if you if you pull up pretty much anybody, somebody's running some form of mesh now. Fantastic, Coach. Uh, thank you so much. That was uh, that was a great conversation. All right, guys, you just heard the conversation with Mr. Coleman. I think a really interesting and unique one for this podcast because most of the time on this podcast, we're talking from the perspective of the analyst. And right there was the perspective of someone who has to call the plays. They have to be down on the field and making the decision as as to how to score points, as to how to move the ball forward. And I found that that conversation was just really refreshing to know you know, coaches want the same thing that we do. They want to. They want to score points, and that's um that's just awesome to hear. That's awesome to be involved with. If you guys want to watch some of Murray State's games, all of their conference games are available on ESPN Plus. I know that uh, I'm going to be trying to keep uh, an eye on them for the rest of the season. And uh, as always, thank you for listening, and uh, please leave a rating and review on iTunes.